You can be seated in Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah. Just too many switches. Praise God. Thank you for coming tonight. We trust that the word of the Lord will speak into your hearts as he would like it to in Jesus' name. Praise God. He's so good. Praise God. Um, Saturday morning, of course, um, is our bread breakfast. That's beginning at 10 o'clock here. If you're in planning on attending, you need to get a hold of Sister Carnahan by tomorrow, tomorrow or Friday, uh, because she has to have a number. She's buying the groceries, and she needs to know how many's coming. So think about that, and if you're coming, those of you that have completed the bread program, of course, we want to honor you there. We understand if you can't make it, but we would like you to because this is a special honor for you. Those of you that want to just be uh, in a good breakfast, you're certainly welcome to do that too, and that begins at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. Um, Also, after that, sometime probably around the noon hour, we're going to go ahead and have our um, business meeting. And so that will happen here in the sanctuary. And so if you want to attend those things in Jesus' name, you can do that in the name of the Lord, in Jesus' name. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you don't mind, before we get started with the Bible study here tonight. I want to show you a verse of Scripture. I, I, I think this is where it's at. I think it's in the book of Samuel. And it just um, spoke to me a little bit and I'm just going to pass it on to you, Samuel, 1 Samuel, that is. And this, of course, is in regards to uh, <clears throat> into uh, uh, Saul. And I just want to make reference to what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about a journey. We're talking about making that journey. You know, last week we talked about Um, from Egypt into the wilderness, and those spies that were sent came back, and and, um, uh, 10 of them didn't give such a good report, two of them did, and of course, because of that, it caused a 40-year hiatus, it caused uh, uh, a lot of people to miss out in the promised land, and so I hope that's not the case in your life, in Jesus' name. Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 15 has to do with Saul, He is the first king that was um, brought into uh, the nation of Israel. He, um, of course, was a big guy and had plenty of opportunity to do what God wanted him to do, and um, unfortunately, he didn't. Now, here's Samuel coming to him and pronouncing judgment over him. You must understand, I don't see anywhere in that judgment where Saul was to lose his soul. He was going to lose his position. That was, that was a foregone conclusion because of his inability to obey what God wanted him to do. And it was just that simple. Um, well, probably wasn't that simple, but that's really what the crux of the matter is. And so here's Samuel. He's coming to him, and the Scripture says in verse number 16, 1 Samuel 15 and 16, it says, Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, he said, Say on. And Saul said, When thou was little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey. Everybody say journey. That's the point I really want to make here with this scripture. And he said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. 
And so Saul's journey might have been a little bit different than the rest of ours, but the bottom line is God sent him on a journey. And I believe that's, that's the case for everybody, you know, that God has a, has a journey for you. And some of it might be a little bit unique to others, that type of thing, but I believe the end result is that God wants to see you get to heaven in Jesus' name. And so this is why we're looking at these, uh, this scenario here with the nation of Israel so carefully, praise God, because you can see the journey that God had for them, praise God. I think it was Morel Cornwell that in one of his college courses that I took, he talked about three things that have to be taught or should be taught before people are really genuinely converted. Now, a lot of people get the Holy Ghost, they get baptized in Jesus' name, and that's good. That's, the Bible talks about the born-again experience. Can you say amen? amen? And that is absolutely necessary, praise God. But prior to that or even during that initial stage of that, there's three things that, that he talked about that really needed to be talked and needed to be uh, understood. He said the first thing is, is that everybody gets delivered from something. Everybody. And it's important that we understand that because that's going to become an ongoing thing in our life. You know, you don't just get, you know, delivered from one thing. Usually it comes in packs. And so when you begin to uh, realize that that's what God did for the nation of Israel. He delivered them from Egypt. Now, Egypt has a lot of different meanings to it. You can talk about sin. That's one of the things that theologians will say is representative of Egypt. But I also think that Egypt is a representation of our past. That there are some things in our past that we just, if we do not get delivered from them, they are going to bother us, they're going to plague us, and unfortunately with some people, they're going to pull you back down and pull you back. And that's not the will of God. It never has been the will of God. That's why I believe in, in the aspect of deliverance. And one of the signs that I see in my own life that I have been delivered is I have no more desire for that. And that's as plain as simple as it gets. I'm not talking about being sorry that I got caught or sorry that I'm doing it. I'm talking about the fact that I no longer want to do that. One of the things that God has been dealing with me about, uh, not only in this local church but in other areas, is the depth of repentance. That it really, really, really needs to get down there. It needs to go deeper. That some of the things that we have repented of, it's good. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just saying that some of this that we're dealing with, especially our past, we haven't repented enough. And I'm not talking about filling up handkerchiefs at an altar. I'm not talking about, you know, external signs of that. I'm talking about the idea that we come to God sometimes, and I know this is, gonna, this is a risk, but sometimes we come to God with desperation. I remember when I, when I was smoking, when I came into the church, I remember that, that month that God dealt with me about this. And I remember towards the end of the month, I remember the desperation I was feeling. And I remember the night that God did that. He delivered me from that. And I remember how desperate I had to get. And that's not begging God for something. What that is, is that's, that's getting honest with the Lord and saying, God, I know this is a thing in my life that you don't like. And I want to see it gone in Jesus' name. So deliverance is an important thing. And we're going to have ongoing deliverances in our lives. He said another thing that people need to be taught, and again, that's why Bible study is such an important thing for when people first come into the church, whether they have the Holy Ghost or not. 
They need to go into the Bible and they need to understand some things. And they need to understand them not only from a New Testament, but from an Old Testament standpoint. How did God do this? How was God working with the children of Israel? We can learn a lot from that. And God wants to help us with that. Another thing that we need to learn, an appreciation for the law. See, the law is something that God will put into our life that will create a fortification around our life. That things won't so easily get in. A lot of times people think of the law as rules and regulations. Well, it can be taken that way, but I look at it as protection. That God is going to put some things in your life, praise God, so that you don't go back, so that you don't have to slip and slide every other week. You don't have to get discouraged and frustrated because of the things of the world. That God puts these things in our lives so that we will learn, praise God. Not, not be condemned, praise God, but that we will learn, praise God, that God... Now listen, what I'm telling you right now is what happened to the nation of Israel. That's what God did. God delivered them from one of the greatest forces in the world, the Egyptians. And he proved to them, praise God, that he is the almighty God. Then he sent them forth into the wilderness to learn that God had a journey for them. He had a pathway in which he wanted them to walk. He had a land in which they were going to um, live and they were going to come bass. And I, and I feel these areas in our own life. Two of those areas I, I believe very, very, um, very much for is that one of the areas is the local church. The local church has got to be free from a lot of things, and that takes a lot of effort, praise God. Appreciate the people who have been coming out to prayer on Tuesday nights. It's powerful. Prayer is one of the answers that we have from God, praise God. And so the church has got to be free from these demonic forces and fleshly forces. They're just as bad, in my opinion. There can be a hard-headed, you know, goat spirit come in here that doesn't have anything to do with the devil. And boy, it can create havoc, praise God. And so God creates the church, the local church, where we can go and we can feel free from that. Can you say amen? amen? And then our homes. Our homes need to be sanctified. They need to be places where we can lay our heads on the pillow and we can get some rest. We can find real peace and joy, praise God, with our families, praise God. And so God wants to help us. And that's why the laws go beyond the church. They have to go into our home. And, a, and, and teaching people to have an appreciation for that is not an easy task, especially in the culture that you and I live in, where everybody just wants to do their own thing, where everybody wants to be free from rules, where people don't want any laws in their life. I understand that. I live in the same world that you do. But you must understand God puts those things, and I'm praying for this local church that God will bring back that appreciation. He will help you to be genuinely delivered, praise God. Not just making it up, not just trying to, you know, uh, fit in with the crowd, but you will know without a shadow of a doubt, praise God, that God has done something in my life, and it ain't coming back in the name of Jesus. I'm going to settle it once and for all, and the Lord is good. Come on, can somebody lift up their hands right now and give God praise? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Because you and I have an important journey. We do. Come on, this is not just some flimsy thing that God, you know, threw at us and, you know, and, and tells us, well, I hope you'll make it. No, he's given us all the support of heaven. 
Now, the third thing that he taught, and I, I believe this, is the fact that people need to learn how to worship God. And worship is different than praise. Worship is designed to go into every fabric of our life. And worship really has to do with the attitude. You know, praising God because there's good music going on and everybody else is doing it, yeah, that's okay, and I believe it's a good starter. But sooner or later, you and I got to develop an attitude that I don't care if anybody else in the place does it. I'm going to lift up my hands because I know it's biblical. I'm going to lift up my voice because I know I can find it in the Bible. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to praise him, praise God, because it is in the Bible, and I know that God likes it. In fact, I want to draw nigh unto him so he will draw nigh unto me, and this is one of the ways that God designs for us to do it. Amen. And so that's why I won't have any pity on you if you come in here and dragging your lip on the ground. You're not going to find me to have any pity on you. Now, I'm not going to try to be unkind or anything like that, but this is the house of God. This is a place that ought to represent something, praise God. You can have the most horrible week you want out there in that world, but you you, you ought to come into this place, praise God, and there ought to be a spring in your step. There ought to be something that says, praise God, I'm going to lift all this off. I'm going to give God praise. I'm going to give Him honor in the name of Jesus. I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do. Praise God. And I'm not on some hobby horse tonight, praise God. I'm trying to add to the lesson. We're talking about the fact tonight. Now, last week they left Egypt and and they were in the wilderness and they had an opportunity to go into the promised land. Forty years earlier, they could have done that. Amen. If they would have just got their eyes on God instead of all the other stuff that was over there. And you know something, folks? We have the same problem in our lives. There's a lot of forces out here in the world that are bidding for your attention. And sometimes the best thing you can do is learn how to ignore stuff. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to go away. It just means I'm not going to put my attention on that. Praise God. And so that's why I'm doing it. You know, I've been called unkind from time to time. But you come in here because my focus is on you folks. You get somebody come in here with a bad spirit, I'm going to ignore you. Because I ain't got time to deal with you. Besides that, if I deal with you, then I'm going to leave all of these other people out in the cold. And so I'm not going to do that. And so you ought to have the same attitude. And so being delivered, somebody say amen. That's the key. God wants to continue to deliver us. Praise God. And then learning that the rules or the law is not a bad thing. Now, I understand that in the New Testament, we are under the law of Christ, which really does bump it up quite a bit. But the bottom line is God has put sufficient things in our life so that you and I can and should be protected from the things of this life. And then learning how to worship, learning how to to give God the glory and allowing our attitude, praise God, to have on. Because, you know, Saul, he lost out. And then he got mad because he lost his position and he started doing all kinds of carnal stupid stuff. And, you know, you and I are, are, are the same way. We would, we would end up doing the same thing. That's why I've seen people come into the church, get filled with the Holy Ghost, walk in the way God wants them to walk, but for whatever reason they decided to leave, they ended up ten times worse than they were before they came. And that's a fact. And so that's not a threat. That's just the way it is. And so tonight as we begin to, you know, talk about, you know, crossing that Jordan River, praise God, Let's let's go down that memory lane again. Read those first three chapters of the book of Joshua. They're powerful. 
God was operating through Joshua the exact same way that he was operating through Moses. He anointed that man, and that man was, was the leader. But never make any mistake about it, he was an apprentice for a long time. And so I appreciate that aspect of Joshua, praise God. Now, Jesus did many, many miracles. The first, the first miracle that's recorded is in the Gospel of John. Look at this. Turn to the Gospel of John. I think it's chapter number 2. And let me show you something here. The Gospel of John. The Scripture says there, praise God, that there was a marriage ceremony, which are very, very important cultural things. Marriage ceremonies even today are very, very important, you know. And so the Bible says that the mother of Jesus was there. I'm in the second chapter of John, chapter number one. And then it says that both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. So Jesus was invited, okay? And I think that's pretty cool. I think that is a tremendous principle, by the way. You say, well, God shouldn't have to be invited. Why not? Why not? Why shouldn't we openly invite God to whatever we're doing? Or not. And then if we don't, what are we going to expect? He's going to kick down the door and show up and say, oh, I told you so. No, a lot of times that's why we get ourselves into trouble. So make no mistake about it, the first miracle that's recorded in the Bible has to do with an invitation. And then the scripture says, uh, that when they wanted wine, the mother, or I'm sorry, in verse number two, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage, and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine, which is an embarrassment back in that culture. This wasn't supposed to happen. I don't know who screwed up, who messed up, whatever the case is, but it happened, okay? And then the Bible says, and Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. That might have been a a response that, that maybe would have sent us all away. But, you know, Mary, I, I give her credit, praise God. She had faith. And that's what the Bible says for us to have faith towards God. And look at what she said. The Bible says, And his mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. You talk about a spirit of expectation. Yeah, I think that's a pretty cool expectation right there in Jesus' name. And so we understand that, to make a long story short here, Jesus gave some instructions. And he said, take those pots that are full of water there, or fill them first, of course, all the way up to the brim, and then take out a little portion and take it to the steward of the feast. And of course, we understand that uh, miraculously, God turned the water into wine. Now, you can sit here and debate whether that was fermented wine or whether that was, you know, that type of thing. I, I choose to, to believe that it wasn't. I don't think that Jesus was going to put a stumbling block in front of people when he tells people not to be drunk. But be that what it may, I don't have scripture to prove that. I just have the patterns and the principles of God, okay? But the bottom line is that water was turned into wine, and that was a noted miracle, praise God. And so we see that the Bible is full of it full of those miracles. And so I believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't have to raise your hand, but do, can you think of one of your favorite miracles that Jesus did? Yeah. Think about all the stuff that he did. And you know, the Bible teaches us that, that if everything that Jesus did was recorded, 
the books couldn't contain it. So we understand that we don't have, I don't know how, what proportion of the story that we have, that Jesus did a lot more than that's even recorded in this book. But the bottom line is, is we know that he had power. I do believe that a lot of the miracles can come in those seven categories. What seven categories? There's seven notable miracles in the Gospel of John. Go ahead and discover them for yourself. And I believe a lot of it can come into those categories. I'm not saying that for sure. I'm just saying I do know, praise God, that God is a miracle-working God in Jesus' name. Do you know somebody right now that needs a miracle in their life? Why don't you lift up your hand right now and ask the Lord to touch them? Come on. God is here to do great things. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm believing for a miracle. I need my ear to be healed. Praise God. And I believe that God's going to do that. I believe he's going to do it in Jesus' name. I feel perfectly calm. Praise God. Come on. That's the God that I serve. I don't know what you need in your life. Praise God. But I know that God can touch it. Come on. Come on. Invite him. Come on. Why don't you invite him? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. <clears throat> Praise God. You know, the nation of Israel was a mobile nation. I think it, there's, it's recorded in the Bible that there were 42 times that they moved in those 40 years. You'd sure thin out a lot of our stuff if we did that, wouldn't we? Yeah, by that 30th time, you'd say, I'm not packing that stuff. We're getting rid of it. We're going to get rid of that stuff. Oh, I got the ladies that are looking at me very angrily right now. But it's the truth, praise God. We'd learn how to get rid of a lot of stuff if we moved a lot. And, you know, maybe that was one of the purposes, you know, uh, that God achieved even while they did not go into the promised land. I don't know what they came with and what they went into the promised land with, but I do know, praise God, that they were able to go in there very swiftly, praise God. You know, um, a lot of things can, uh, you know, can, can help us, especially in this journey. But the thing that, that I see two things that happened to the nation of Israel was the fact that they were, they were consecrated and they were sanctified. And so God helped them to do that. Sister Carnahan, do you have that, that video uh, uh, up? Why don't you go ahead and play it, maybe? She's giving me a very troubled look. Should have warned you. We are on 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, get the right one. This would really make me look bad if you didn't get the right one. We see the results of pay now, benefit later in many areas of our life. Take investing, for example. When you invest money, maybe to make a deposit into a savings account, there's a day coming down the road where you expect to be able to get your money back plus the interest you've earned. The financial institution is going to pay you a certain rate of interest because they're using your money for other things, but they're going to make sure that you benefit from that down the road. You know, if you invest a little bit, you're going to get a little bit of return. You invest a lot, you're going to return more on your interest. 
there's a way of making sure that you multiply the benefits of what you're putting away. The same thing can be said in our spiritual life. Many years ago, growing up, my pastor taught us the concept of a prayer pantry. We think of the prayer closet a lot. You know, Jesus taught that you enter your prayer closet. Uh, my pastor taught us to enter our prayer pantry. Every time you go in uh, to pray, whether it's just morning devotions, maybe you're taking time to read your Bible and study on your own, whatever it is, it's like you're entering this pantry where you're putting things on the shelf that you're gonna benefit from later. It's very likely that you're gonna go through things in your life that are very difficult. You may go through a season where uh, you're struggling to pray because of deep grief. You're just not sure what to say. Uh, you've lost a loved one and, and you're just at a loss for words. But when you enter that prayer pantry that for the past few years, you've been stocking things away on the shelf, then you can enter that and not feel the pressure to have to pray the perfect prayer. You're gonna get a return. You're gonna get a benefit on what you've invested in there. Maybe it's a day where you need peace, you need hope, you need some type of reassurance. You can enter that prayer pantry knowing that you've taken time to invest in yourself through prayer. I would encourage everyone to think about what are you doing in your life to pay now so you can benefit later. It's time spent with loved ones now. It's time spent investing in your education. It's time spent investing for your retirement. Whatever it may be, physical sense or spiritual sense. The more you take time today to invest into yourself and into your future, the more benefits you're gonna receive on down the road. It's a principle in life and it's a principle in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Brother Lovell. That's a, that's a beautiful thought, isn't it? And you know, that's why consecration and, and, um, and the sanctification is such an important habit for us to get into. Cons uh, sanctification means to separate ourselves. There are some things in life that hopefully some, most of you have figured out by now that they're really not going to do you any good. You keep hanging around those people, you keep doing those things, you keep going those places, they're not going to pay you much of a dividend. In fact, all that you really is going to do is, is pull you down. And so what you do is you begin to separate yourself from that stuff, praise God. But more than just separating, and this is where I think some people make a mistake, is they, they empty themselves out. I think it's more important, or it's just as important, not only for us to empty ourselves out and separate ourselves, but to fill ourselves up with something. And that's where consecration comes in. That we begin not only to, uh, to separate from the things that we know that are not good, but we begin to consecrate or we begin to allow God to fill us up with the good things that he wants us to, to fill us up, praise God. And so usually in a church like this, an apostolic church, there's going to be all kinds of good ideas that, that are going to come forth on a weekly basis. And if you learn how to pick those nuggets up and you learn how to apply them to your life, I'm telling you right now, within just a few weeks, a few months, you're going to begin to see the difference in Jesus' name. Now, the point I'm making here is that before they went into that land, God already knew that there were going to be things that had to be conquered. Next week, we're going to talk about Jericho. That's one of the big ones, you know, the walled city. But the bottom line is God is ahead of the program. Can somebody say amen? And right now, he's trying to prepare you for some of the things that are going to be coming down your road so that you can overcome those things and be delivered in Jesus' name. Come on, isn't that exciting? Isn't that kind of our God not to get us right up to the edge there and say, okay, and then push us in and say, well, I hope you make it. Well, this is how some people look to me. 
I, I wonder what you're thinking sometimes. Do you really think that that's going to work out for you? Well, why don't you take a step back, praise God, and not negatively, and start looking at the situation and start looking at your life and say, now, wait a minute, what can I do this week to start preparing myself to get over that Jordan River, praise God? We already talked about Egypt as a type of sin. Egypt is a type of the past, and we need to be delivered. Somebody say amen. Well, we also need to have some place where we can go and we can live the way God wants us to live, praise God. And so this is what God is doing for you, praise God. He's giving you a place where you can abide with him and you can begin to grow in his grace and in his knowledge. Isn't that a great offer from the Lord? Why don't you just lift both of those hands right now and thank him for that? I'm telling you something, he didn't even, he, he, he gave that to you for free. Come on, God has got a lot of good things that he has in store for us in the name of Jesus. Oh, what a mighty God that you and I serve. What a mighty God that you and I serve. So when you read that third chapter of the book of Joshua, you're going to find that's one of the things that God instructed Joshua to tell the people. Have them consecrate themselves. Have them sanctify themselves. Let's get these people ready, praise God, for when we go. Because God was fixing to give them another miracle. Praise God. Do you remember the miracle of the Red Sea? Come on, when they got up that morning, praise God, they saw the pathway was clear right before them. And so God gave them without a shadow of a doubt the exact place and direction that, they, that he wanted them to go. Well, I'm going to tell you, he did the same thing 40 years later, you know, at the River Jordan. And so this is what's so cool, praise God, is that God is able to do that. Listen to what the book of Romans says about you and I. Now, this is New Testament, I understand that, but let's apply it to what we're talking about here. We're being delivered. Somebody say amen. We don't have a past anymore because God doesn't bring it up. You're the one that brings it up. Amen. And so we can go forward, praise God, and we can live the way God wants us to live. Scripture says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 26, you know, last quarter, or I should say the last four weeks, we talked about the Spirit. We talked about the necessity of the Spirit. We talked about being led by the Spirit. We talked about being empowered by the Spirit. And then last, we talked about being, having the victory through the Spirit. Now, I'm talking about in December, we talked about this stuff. Well, listen to what it says here. It says in verse 26, 8 and 26 Romans, it says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, or our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Some of the stuff that comes out of us in the Spirit is beyond our understanding, isn't it? Praise God. I felt that last night while I was praying here. Stuff was coming out of me. I couldn't explain it. And I don't even need to anymore. I just have faith in what the Lord is doing. And then the Bible says, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints, not to them. For them. Big difference. That's why if you'll get beside yourself and allow God to use you in reaching other, others, your needs will already be met. And a lot of times you'll realize that by what God is using you to reach other people. But our problem is we want it all to flow into us. We want it all to be us first. 
And I believe we really miss out what God wants to do at times. So he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for them that love God and that are called according to his purpose. Again, the nation of Israel was called not only to love God, but to do what God wanted them to do. And even though that looked weird to the rest of the world, God wanted them to do that. You can't tell me that animal sacrifices and some of the things that they were doing did not, you know, uh, you know people were thinking, who are these people? Why are they doing that? Well, I'm glad we don't have to do that today, but I think we get the same reaction when sometimes people come into a church like this and they see people worshiping God and carrying on, you know, the way they do. And I'm not talking about being ridiculous. I'm just talking about having faith and glory in the Lord, praise God, and letting him have his way. I believe people sometimes can walk away and have the same thinking, same feeling. Now, let me show you something else here. I just, this is an added bonus, by the way. I just got this thought from the Lord. I want you to look at the book of Hebrews, and I want you to see something that's very similar there. Now, the Bible says that the Spirit wants to make intercession for the saints. That's why when you pray in the Spirit, most of the time it's not about you. It is not. And that's why some people don't pray in the Spirit, because they want it to be about them. Now, watch this. The scripture talks about angelic hosts. And it was the first chapter of the book of Hebrews is talking about how God chose the vehicle of Jesus Christ to become the head spokesman of these last days. Can you say amen? amen. Now, in, towards the end of that first chapter, he says something. He says, to, in verse 13, it says, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand? He said, Until I make thine enemies thy footstool. None of them, by the way. The angels were not invited to be Jesus. Think about that. But watch this. Look at verse 14. But are they not all ministering spirits? We're talking about the angels sent forth to minister not to them. So you see why people get it all messed up? Is they want God to minister to them first. They want God to do everything that they ask. Now, I'm not trying to discourage somebody from asking the Lord, but sometimes you must understand that, that I have personally gotten some of my best answers from the Lord while I was doing His will, while I was busy doing what He wanted me to do. And, man, I'm going to tell you something, folks. I believe that God wants to start that type of a system with many of you in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, that you can be busy doing the work of God, and God will show to you powerful things, praise God. He'll take you over that spiritual Jordan River, and he'll show you how powerful he is in the book of Joshua, how that God can conquer army after army after army, praise God. Come on, somebody ready for that kind of a journey? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of journey that God wants to take many of you on, praise God. Come on, why don't you lift up your hands right now and ask the Lord to help you with this. Come on, there's several of you that are, you're having the 10, the 10 spy syndrome. You're having a little doubt and unbelief. You're saying, he's not talking to me, and that's not true. I'm talking to you, praise God. God is speaking to your heart.
He's saying, hey, I can bring some things to pass in your life in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, come on, lift up your voice right now. Don't be shy. Come on, don't sit there like some bump on the log. Don't sit there and say, this doesn't pertain to me. You're going to be in danger of losing out. Come on, God wants to put something in your life. Praise God. That'll be unmistakable in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's several people in this place that God wants to take care of all of your finances. He wants to do that this year. But it ain't going to happen until you put him first. It ain't going to happen until you put him first. And that's not some threat. That is an invitation, praise God. If you will put God first, I'm telling you, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you. Oh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now in an anointed way. Come on, I'm telling you, somebody right here can get delivered. Come on, you don't have to let that past come up and tell you that you're not going to make it. You can tell that past to take a hike. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. By the power of the Almighty God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Come on, I want the excitement to come back in your life. I want you to get that excitement about what the Lord's going to do. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. So the Lord did it. He did it. He, put her, he brought him down memory lane. And he brought him to the brink of a river that was overflowing. And as soon as the priest, and you got to understand, the priesthood and that Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. That's what it represented. So the first thing they had to do is let that get out ahead of them. I think it was something like, um, like 2,000 or maybe close to 3,000 feet ahead they were. And so they went ahead of them, the Ark of the Covenant with the priesthood, carrying it the way God told them to carry it on their shoulders. And so when they got to the brink of that water, they put their one foot in there and it stopped. Come on, I'm talking about God sometimes will bring back the memory of what he has already done in your life. And he stopped that water. And like God, you got to understand, God doesn't want us to forget things. And so what he did was he instructed the one person from every tribe. Again, he gets everybody involved. That's how God does it. And he said, bring me a boulder. And let's set these boulders in a heap right in the middle of this riverbed. And I don't know how long that took. And I don't know how long God lingered, praise God. But the bottom line is he wanted people to see that. That, praise God, I'm able to stop the water. I'm able to, to control nature, praise God. And I'm able to deliver you from your past. Amen. And so this is a very pivotal point. Now again, we're talking about a journey that God wants every one of us to take. This is the thing that you and I have to be honest with. We have to say, where have I been? What, how has my journey been going? And I'm not here to pick on people. I'm just saying, listen, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. Now, let's, go, let's remember from last week what got the ten spies in trouble. Do you remember? 
two words on fishing. I think I caught one. Doubt. And what was the other one? Unbelief. Doubt and unbelief. Now, there are two things that aren't going to be eradicated in your life. And so what you must understand, just like I must understand, that when, not if, they come around, what are we going to do? You remember last week we talked about some power verses that we could bring up? I can do. Come on, somebody shouted at me. I can do. Through who? Which? Come on, folks, that's a good one, isn't it? Greater! Come on. And I'm just mentioning a few that we mentioned last week so that you'll get them back in your memory. Come on, that's why God gave you a book. So that you, you could learn these things and you could begin to apply these things. I understand they're not a cure-all. And sometimes it's not just, you know, saying them one time. Sometimes what we got to do is what the Bible says in the second chapter of the book of James. Do you know what that is? Faith without Come on, sometimes our lifestyle needs to be a, a statement of faith. I'm going to go to church. I don't care how I feel, praise God. I don't care how bad of a week I got. I'm going to get in there, praise God, and I'm going to learn that I have been delivered in the name of Jesus. I'm going to learn the rules. I'm going to learn that those, those, those laws are not bad, praise God, that they're good things that God puts around me to protect me, and that I'm going to learn how to further worship the Lord, and especially when I don't feel like it. Come on, somebody want to sign up for that class? Come on, I believe I'm in the right room, praise God. Come on, God wants to do that for you this year in Jesus' name, praise God. I'm convinced of that. This is going to be a year of, of, of getting further in the journey in Jesus' name. And so tonight's lesson, you know, basically in a nutshell, is the fact that after 40 years, after 40 years, after the, now listen to me, after the unbelieving generation was left behind, and God did that. You must understand, sometimes even in a church of this size, there will be a purging. And I'm not the one that's in charge of that, by the way. I'm just going to keep preaching and living and doing the things that God wants to do. But sometimes the word and things like that will separate people. And so we must understand, and you go home tonight saying, that's not going to be me. I'm sticking around. You've heard me say, you'll have to throw me out of here, folks. You'll have to. Praise God. I'm coming back because this is a good place. This is where the Spirit of the Lord is. Praise God. You know, the rest of the town, the rest of the county, the rest of the state, they might be doing something, but boy, I know I can go someplace on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday, praise God, where they're going to be lifting up the name of the Lord, where they're going to be in there and there's going to be faith in that place, where there's going to be people who believe in the process of God, and so I'm coming back, and I don't care who else doesn't, praise God, I'm going to do it in Jesus' name. Praise God. And so that's what we make up our minds in Jesus' name. Listen to this. Every born-again follower of Jesus has heard his voice calling. Come on, you've heard him. He issued the invitation to you, okay? Often. And it is, the, in, 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 in is to a place of deeper consecration. That's what God is telling us. You know, he's saying, come on. Come a little closer. Praise God. Here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Abraham in the 18th chapter of the book of Genesis. And Abraham approached God and asked him some pretty specific questions. 
Well, God is going to have you do the same thing in Jesus' name. You know, so I'm going to tell you something. Generally, this is the first call we hear. We hear him call us to repentance and right relationship with him. Can somebody say amen? From a place of sanctification and consecration, God is able to lead us into his supernatural promises and purposes. That's what's happening, folks. Praise God. And so beyond consecration, however, we have likely heard him call in other areas. Perhaps there's somebody in here tonight that God has been talking to you about doing something. Praise God. About going somewhere. About witnessing someplace. About teaching a Bible study. That type of thing. I want to encourage you in the name of Jesus to pursue that. Let God lead you. But believe me, folks, in the meantime, why don't we hear his voice of consecration again? Come on, I believe you could hear it in here last night. Why don't we hear the voice of sanctification? Maybe there's some things that have crept into our lives again that we need to separate ourselves from. Come on, I'm not the judge. I'm just a mailman. And so you and I must understand that God wants to do that for you and for me. Praise God. Think about this, you know, in the spring of 2021, a young couple stood nervously before the Global Missions Board of the United Pentecostal Church International. You're going to know these people here in a minute. They had traveled to St. Louis, Missouri, seeking approval to be full-time missionaries. The voice of the Lord had spoken to the young mother of five children when she was just a child herself. When she was in a middle school, God had called her to be a missionary and confirmed where he wanted her to minister. She met her husband at Bible college, and he felt the very same calling. And God was calling them to the nation of Chad. Chad. Yep. When people hear the name of that nation, many quizzically respond, Where? Well, Chad is not the most notable place. Likely those who know it, it have heard of it because of the extreme danger due to the risk of terrorism, kidnapping, unrest, and violent crime. In other words, Chad is not a place most would visit, much less live. But here's this couple, Rodney and Kimberly Sims, and they shared their burden. And Kimberly voiced one of her greatest frustrations of traveling in North America to raise funds for their mission to Chad. She repeatedly had to feel questions from other parents about why she would take her five children to such a dangerous place. And you want to know what her answer was? She answered, and she wasn't being arrogant. She would say tearfully many times, but boldly proclaim, I would rather be in the most dangerous place in earth in the will of God than the safest place on earth outside the will of God. Isn't that quite a statement? I'm telling you folks, that's powerful. We had, we, they weren't able to come. They were supposed to come here, you know, I think it was in April or something like that, maybe it was March, but we had one of those snowstorms and we had them on online and man you could feel the spirit of God behind everything they were doing and so there are people there are people that are crossing Jordan rivers and they're going into places where God is giving them tremendous harvest in Jesus name come on do you want the Holy Ghost to minister for you 
Come on, you want angels that are ministering spirits to minister for you? Come on, why don't you quit looking at what God needs to do for you for just about 30 seconds, and why don't you rise to your feet right now, and why don't you begin to call upon the Lord for somebody else right now? Come on, I believe he wants to do that right here in this place. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, he is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. In the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, I believe God's a healer. I believe God's going to heal my ear. I believe God's going to heal bodies. He's going to touch minds. He's going to do it because he's the almighty Lord. He's going to take away. He's going to give us something to do when, when, not if, when doubt and unbelief come. Come on, God's going to do it because he said he would. Oh, hallelujah.